Well, it is so good to see each of you. I hope you're having a great week. Here we are, first Sunday in May. First Sunday in May. Are you ready for it? It is going to be one of those months, isn't it? Last night was the junior-senior prom, and so a lot of our kids are still asleep. Parents are too, and here we are in the month of May. Title of my message, it's not in the bulletin, but I put it on the other sheet. I would like to see what you think. Title of the message, Parenting is Not for Chickens. What do you think? Parenting is not for chickens. Now, how many of you, when you realized you were going to have children, how many of you bought books to help you understand and what you should teach your children? How many of you bought books? I see two hands. Three hands. Okay? Uh, first service, they bought more books than y'all did. Okay? Uh, but they said that the books didn't help them. What about y'all? They all about, it helped. It helped. Okay. All right. Um, when does parenting stop? Never. Okay. Good answer. Good answer. What's that? 18. Oh. Okay, all right, well, you know, here we are, month of May. Do we have a lot of family activities in the month of May? Think of this month. Like promise was this weekend. This next Sunday is Mother's Day. It's important, kids, for you to be with your moms, okay? Then we start having graduations, high school, VPK. Kindergarten, high school, middle school. I don't know if they do middle school here, but uh, high school, college, seminary. Then we have at the end of school concerts, you know, band concerts and all this. And so there's a lot of events in the month of May and a lot of it dealing with family, doing with parenting. Now, Have you ever felt like as a parent, sometimes you just wonder if you can just make it to the end? And so, you know, sometimes parenting is very difficult. And and, uh, this morning, I want to use an illustration. Uh, Supposedly, this is a real thing. Have you ever heard of the chicken cannon? The chicken cannon. Well, there were the people that that made airplanes and the U.S. Air Force, they decided to come up with a cannon where they could shoot dead chickens at planes to make sure that the windshield would stay intact. Because you can imagine if you're in a commercial plane and, you know, one of the last things you want to have to buzz your attendant and say, my window is just sucked out. Well, if that's the case, you just did too. But, uh, you know, we want to make sure that the windshields are intact. So they decided to make this chicken cannon. Well, the British made a brand new, one of those speed trains, you know, one of those that, you know, you can get you somewhere in an hour, you know. And so they asked if they could borrow the chicken cannon because they wanted to make sure that the front windows of this train could sustain an impact. Because you can think, you know, 
some bird going the wrong way. Get, you know, and they wanted to make sure that, that and, and, and they were pretty confident that it was going to be successful because they had built this train pretty, pretty stout. And so they got the cannon, they, they got it up to speed, you know, based on how fast the train would be going. And they loaded that cannon with that dead chicken and they shot that thing at the train. Well, not only did it go through the window, it quipped the conductor's chair, went all the way back to the engine, and put this great big hole in this brand new engine. They were scratching their heads, and they said, well, how could this be? We've designed this. You know, how could this just almost destroy our train? And so the British asked them, look, we need to, we need to go over the results of this test. Well, they came back after months of studying and came back and, and they, they told him, they said, well, what we recommend next time that the chicken shouldn't be frozen. <laughs> now, I don't know if you've ever been in an airplane and had a frozen chicken hit you, but uh, uh, you shouldn't. Now, I see that crazy, use that crazy example because sometimes parenting is like a frozen chicken hitting your family or house, and everything is turned upside down. You know, it, it just feels like, man, oh, will this ever end? Will they ever be quiet? Will they, will they ever just listen? And so parent, parenting can be, it's not for the chicken of, chicken or, of heart, but sometimes it just feels like it turns everything upside down. Well, I want you to read a story in the Old Testament with me this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 4, beginning with verse 10. It's not very exciting, but I want you to look at this story. It says, so the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and each man fled to his tent. The slaughter was severe. 30,000 of the Israelite foot soldiers fell. The ark of God was captured, and Eli's two sons, Hophni and, and who's that other guy? Phineas or something, died. Same day, a Benjaminite ran, ran, man ran from battle and came to Shiloh. His clothes were torn, and there was dirt on his head. And when he arrived, there was Eli sitting on his chair beside the road watching because he was anxious about the ark of God. When the man entered the city to give a report, the entire city cried out. Eli heard the outcry and asked, Why this commotion? The man quickly came and reported to Eli. At that time, Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes didn't move because he couldn't see. The man said to Eli, I'm the one who came from the battle. I fled from there today. What happened, my son, Eli asked. And the messenger answered, Israel answered, Israel has fled from the Philistines, and also there was a great slaughter among the people. Your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are both dead. The ark of God has been captured. When he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell backwards off the chair by the city gate. And since he was old and heavy, his neck broke and he died. Eli had judged Israel for 40 years. 
Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, was pregnant and pregnant and about to give birth. And when she heard the news about the capture of God's ark and the death of her father-in-law and her husband, she collapsed and gave birth because her labor pains came upon her. And as she was dying, the women taking care of her said, don't be afraid, you have given birth to a son. And she did not respond or pay attention. She named the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, referring to the capture of the ark of God and to the death of her father-in-law and her husband. The glory has departed from Israel, she said, because the ark of God had been captured. Now, as we look at the story and think about the story this morning, the main emphasis at this point of this story, where Eli was so so concerned, and, and Eli was, was, was serving as the prophet, as the, the lead priest of that day. He had been doing that for over 40 years. His main concern, what had happened to the ark of God, or to the covenant of God, or to, to, to that symbol, to that very precious moment in the sense that represented God to the children of Israel. And when he got the news that it had been captured, he fell back and broke his neck and died. Now, I don't know if you realize, but his two sons also died that day. And so in this picture, we see the two sons, we see Eli, and then we see one of the wives all died in that day. Now, that's, that's a tragic, that's like that frozen bird hitting you, you know, boom. But what about Eli's family? You know, when we look at Eli's family and we, we look at it, we, we see that there, there were some problems in this family. Eli was up in age. Eli had two sons that were also priests. They were doing a lot of the priestly duties, uh, doing those things. And so what can we learn? This type of sermon, when I preach it, and I have to be honest, I don't like preaching it, because a lot of times people take this to mean that you've got to be perfect in parenting. Let me tell you. There's no perfect parent, right? There is no such thing. You can read all the books. You can't be a perfect parent. But there are some things, well, there's some things that we need to be careful of. You know, I shared, you know, well, let me ask you. Some of you have one child. Some of you have two. Some of you have three. Some of you have really been blessed with four or more. Are your children alike? Every one of you went, no. They're not, are they? They're different. They have individuality. They, they, you know, I shared, and, you know, I shared it in the first service, and Erica, I'm sure no one's going to tell you about it. Uh, Aaron and Erica were the type that Aaron, you didn't really have to fuss at Aaron. You could just look at Aaron. He took care of it. Now, Erica... You could beat her till your hand was red. And she would just lay there basically saying, bring it on, Daddy. Bring it on. To get Erica's attention, you had to take something away from her. Then you got her attention. And even with your children, isn't that the same? 
But as parents, as we realize our children are different, we also realize that even as we think about next week and we have parents that are coming to dedicate themselves and their children to the Lord, and there's a church also praying for these parents as they raise these children, and there's a lot of people say, well, you should do this, and you shouldn't do that, and you should do this, and in the times that we live in, let me give you three quick things that I want you to think about today. I believe compromise is the enemy of godly parenting. Now, when you think of that, you remember in the the beginning, if you had a four-year-old, and that four-year-old loved green beans, okay? They love green beans. But that four-year-old would spit out broccoli to you. Would you just keep on forcing them to eat the broccoli? Or just say, hey, they're eating green beans. They're getting something green. Would you compromise there? You probably probably should. In other words, hey, we're doing good. We got green beans in. Okay? But even with Eli and his sons, we see that a certain amount of compromise got to the point that Eli's sons, even though they were priests, and even though they had, they had responsibilities, the people of that day saw Eli's sons as priests giving a very bad representation of what a priest should be like. You see, Eli and his sons, his sons started stealing from the sacrifices. In other words, in that day, when the sacrifices were given, the priest had a responsibility to, to follow through with those sacrifices, but the priest could take part of the meat. Now, in those days, the meat was boiled. You know, it's like boiled roast and boiled, you know, and, and the priest would take their big old three-pronged fork and reach over, and whatever they got on the fork was theirs. Well, Eli's son was thinking, you know, we got all this prime rib going on and, you know, and all these other things, and, you know, you know we're getting tired of this bull stuff. And so they started roasting what they wanted, and not with the fork method, but they went over and said, hey, let's cut this out, and let's cut this out, and, and we'll take that. In other words, sacrificial giving to them, it was, they were portraying a different, they were portraying something else. They were telling the people one thing, but they were doing something else. And, and Eli, their son, I mean, Eli, looking at his sons, he didn't call them on it. Not at first. He didn't call them on it. And, 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 and that compromise went on to the point that even Eli was doing that as well where he was taking part of the sacrifice and getting the prime pieces. What was happening because of the compromises that Eli's son was doing, and and then eventually Eli, is that they didn't see it, they couldn't see it, but they were stealing from God. You see, as as individuals, sometimes we, we need to see, we need to be careful. The compromise that we allow, how it affects us and the people around us. Now, two things, and, and, and again, I, I, I hesitate in some ways in sharing, but because I, I, sometimes I have parents, they take a message like this and they'll go to the extreme. And then I have others as well, the preacher did his annual thing. Compromise. 
two things. I'm just going to pick, not pick, but two things. And I'm guilty, okay? In our homes today, parents, should we watch or should we be concerned about what is coming into our homes through television? Yes. The answer is yes. Okay? All right? Now, most of us my age or older, television, and Preston, yes, there was television back then. (laughs) Did we have to worry about the content? It didn't seem like we did, did it? Okay. And there wasn't language like we have today. Or if they were portraying a married couple, they didn't sleep in the same bed in TV days when we grew up. Okay? Now, am I saying we've got to go back to leave it to Beaver? Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, are you? <laughs> leave it to Beaver, Preston? Got it. Got it. Okay, okay. Okay. But as parents, and I'm guilty. Sometimes Kathy says, Frank, what are you listening to? And a lot of times I've got the noise on. That's what I call it, the noise on. But the language. And then the scenes that come on. I think as parents, we've got to be more careful of what we allow in our home. Why would we allow that filth? And then, if you haven't figured it out, you're pretty smart people, so I know you have. The gay and lesbian movements, nighttime TV and the sitcoms, that's the agenda. To get the gay and the lesbian and, and those issues out there and that they become acceptable. You know, we, we need to think about, you know, maybe I do need to monitor, monitor what my children watch. That's something for you to consider because if we're not careful, we compromise and say, well, they hear it out in the world. And they do. But can we control what's going on in our home? One of the big shows that people are amazed that people still watch today is Andy Griffin. Mayberry. Because if you're like me, sometimes I've looked at everything else and I said, man, this is a waste. I turn on Andy Griffin and Barney Five. So those are the things that we need to think about. Now, not only do we have, not only do we have uh, the television, but nowadays we have the Internet. And again, as we think about that, as parents, we need to be aware of that. And Internet used to be, well, you're worried about a computer, and and so everybody said, well, you should just have a family computer, and, and you should put it in the living room where everybody can see what's going on. Hello, welcome to the 21st century. Here's your computer. How many children today do you think have cell phones? How many middle schoolers do you think have children? Cell phones. High school, that's automatic. All of them. Okay? Now, as parents, let's think about it. You say, well, and I know you get hit by your kids and you're going to get hit by, well, you know, they, but should they, should we limit? Should we put parental controls? Should we sit down and talk with our children about the dangers of? A lot of times they think, well, that doesn't, affect me. I, I'll never do that. It, it, it'll never come across 
What about 14-year-old girls listening to on the Internet to 32-year-old men who are trying to get them to leave home and go hook up with them in another state? It happens. It happens. You see, consequences. We, we need to see the consequences in the sense of, of just saying, well, it, you know, I, it's just the way we live. You see, Eli... He finally did speak to his boys and he told them the danger, but then that didn't slow down the boys at all. And Eli didn't follow up and Eli finally just gave in. And a lot of times as parents, we just give in and we we need to stand our ground. I believe also that God holds us as parents responsible for the training of our children. He holds us responsible. Now again, let me say, none of us, Make an A+. Plus. But that shouldn't stop us from trying and, and working with our children and, 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 and speaking to them and, 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 and letting them know about different things and tell them why. I mean, you know, say, here, the reason I'm doing this is because of this. And Eli just abandoned that and just let it go and go and go. You know, we need, we need to see that sometimes words of warning are not enough. And that God expects us to take action. And even sometimes as we live for God, we, we, we need to you know, say, hey, this is not the way to live for God. You know, God expects parents of the day to be people not of, of words only, but sometimes of action. To do whatever it takes to represent your family well. But then let me just quickly share this. Children are responsible for their own choices. As they get up in age, realize children are responsible for their own choices. Eli's sons got to that point. They were responsible for their choices. They had to pay a price, and they lost it. Eli had to pay a price, and he lost it. The choices we make today, and this is what we need to teach our children and our families today, is that the the decisions we make, the choices we make have consequences. And every person is is responsible for his or her her choices. Turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 9, 7 through 9. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. It says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction and from the flesh. But the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we do not give up. You know, sometimes we say, you know, I'm just tired of doing good. It seems like all the time I'm doing good and other, other kids and other parents are letting them do what they want. Just realize there's a consequence to that. There's also a reward in doing good. I don't know if you read the complete story of Eli and his sons. But because of their decisions, look at how their life ended up. Each Sunday, our children give Preston 
or run for his money. But Preston wouldn't have it any other way. Because he loves those children. And as a church, aren't we blessed to have these children? You never know what they're going to say. <laughs> that is true, isn't it? Never know. See, some of y'all do a lot of praying when these kids are up here. It improves your prayer life. But you know, I don't know about you, but as a church, not only as parents dedicate themselves as a church, we should dedicate ourselves to pray for parents, to pray for children, to pray for each other. Not to condemn, but to pray and to help each other Because as we've seen in this church, we're blessed in the sense of, you know, we raise them all together. You know, we love our kids. But because we love them, let's always teach them the truth of God. Let's pray. Let's gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this day. And Lord, at times parenting is hard. And sometimes it just throws us off our feet, Lord. But Lord, I pray that we would see the importance and not compromise and that we would hold on to our responsibility as parents to train our children because, Lord, you have told us in your word. And then, Lord, also to teach us the responsibility of our choices. And, Lord, just help us today to see the importance of that. As we think of this month of May and as we live it, Lord, we'll be with our children a lot. We'll be at their graduations. We'll be at different school events. But, Lord... May we see what we have in them and to raise them in a proper way. Lord, I ask this in your son's name. Amen.